Hey, it's John Ingle, and I'm excited to share that registration is now live for Grid Tech Connect Forum California. Join us in Newport Beach June 24th through the 26th for the interconnection event. We're bringing together utilities, developers, regulators, and advocates to take on one of the biggest challenges facing the energy transition, both at the DG and utility scale levels. Click the link in the episode description and use promo code PODCAST to save 10% on admission. Join our partners from the Department of Energy, NREL, Southern California Edison, PG&E, Kaiso, Sunrun, NG, Convergent, AES, and so many more for this impactful event. We'll see you there. Welcome to another edition of This Week in Clean Tech, a roundup of the top stories in climate and clean energy that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. I'm Renewable Energy World Senior Content Director John Ingle, joined once again by clean tech PR veteran Mike Casey of TigerCom. We are obviously not in a Zoom call this week. <laughs> we are here at RE Plus in Las Vegas. Mike, how are you? I'm good, sir, but I am worried. I don't know how we're going to break the news to your wife that you blew all your son's college tuition on the crap tables last night. Didn't do that. And I'm surprised that you're doing this in person because the height differential (laughs) is really unbecoming of you. Um, And so with that, we want to remind all of you at home that uh, you can participate in This Week in Clean Tech by sending your story recommendations to thisweekincleantech at tigercom.us. And a quick note, Mark Chediak from Bloomberg will be joining us in just a bit. Mike, you want to get us started? I do. Uh, We have a story written by Bloomberg's Tyler Cowen entitled, A Huge Lithium Discovery That Economists Were Expecting. John, what did you make of the story? Yeah, the big point here is a massive lithium deposit was just found along the border of Nevada and Oregon. And this has, obviously, geopolitical ramifications as the U.S. is not known as a lithium superpower. (laughs) And it needs a whole bunch of it to meet the demand of electric vehicles over the next decade. So we're going to really see maybe a shift in the balance of power here, hopefully, and, and that's all in the vein of energy security. What do you think? Uh, you know, I think the Tyler made a really interesting point in this piece that the this term, the elasticity of supply, where scarcity of a commodity drives efforts to create yep. more of it. And I think that's really interesting. His argument is that this was both predictable and that concerns about lithium shortage were overblown. Interesting. You know, I, I think that there... It resonates with my own experience because we worked with a company called Mangrove Lithium that they have invented a way to make lithium brines actually economical to use in battery-grade lithium. It's the most abundant source on earth. So I'm seeing what Tyler's saying firsthand. And I'll say that, boy, I hope to goodness that these dynamics apply to workforce development, which leads us into story number two. Yeah, that's exactly right. We have a story written by E&E News' Brian Dabbs titled, Carbon-Free Grid, There May Not Be Enough Workers to Build It. What you take away? You know, of the nine barriers of the clean energy transition that we count, um, workforce development is up there. It's a yeah. real thing. And, you know, the um, and last year there was a survey where 50% of employers said they were having trouble finding enough workers. And, you know, I think that this is a real thing, but hopefully the elasticity of supply applies to this. I have to think it is because as we transition this economy, people will want to shift, transition themselves and their workforce. So I'm optimistic that this problem can get addressed. But I will say um, until then, companies are going to have to really up their game on retention and recruitment. We interviewed a woman named Paige Karataru, who is 
outstanding in terms of her recommendations on how to improve those programs. I recommend people read that interview. You're going to shout out an interview, so am I. So a previous guest to factor this, Chris Dunbar, the CEO of Blue Ridge Power, really explained how this is acutely felt by the EPCs who are tasked with building clean energy projects. And we have these multi-gigawatt portfolios that developers like to tout in public. But unless we have the construction workers, the procurement people, the engineering experts to uh, execute those projects, we're screwed, for for lack of a better word. And I I took this from the story. We need 80,000 new electricians per year through 2030. And electricians, just by makeup, are, are typically older workers. So we are facing attrition in that sector, and, and it's, it's something we have to address very soon. Mike, what's our next one? Number three is Gregory Barber from Wired reported, big batteries are booming, so are fears they'll catch fire. What do you think, John? Well, we've talked a lot about local opposition on this podcast, mostly with wind and solar, but we're now seeing it extend to yes. a new technology, new for the general public at least, which is battery storage. And we've also seen an uptick, at least in the public eye, of fire incidents. And so I think we had three in New York over the summer. Um, Not a good look. And so NYSERDA and the governor's office have already put together a working group to analyze and address lithium-ion battery fires. And that puts the the onus on this industry to make sure that we are checking every box when it comes to safety, um, partnering with the right folks, engaging with fire departments, engaging with the public to showcase that this is still very rare. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, we need to be prepared. I love this quote from a Swedish battery researcher, Frederick Larson. He points out, it's ridiculous that we can bust gasoline inside cars, yet we figured out how to do it. So I don't want to downplay the risks and the impacts when there are actual fires, but I'm 100% confident we're going to nail these problems as a sector. I I think in a couple of years, this will be behind us. I hope so, too. Uh, This next one, number four, is from... Timothy Puko from Washington Post. Update needed for 1879 mining law to boost clean energy report sets. Mike, what'd you get? If there ever was an antiquated part of the federal code, it's mining law. And it was definitely written uh, a long time ago, as uh, as the General Mining Act of 1872 would suggest. But bringing mines online is a decade plus endeavor it's right. hard to do and there's no getting around the environmental mess that comes with it so a doi official in this story said this is the perfect recipe for community resistance and litigation so this these are changes that need to be made this is so far upstream that i don't think again to the general public knowing about yeah. what's happening it, it's there's so much disconnect from critical mineral mining to this is how I got my electric vehicle or this is how I got my wind turbine. And the Biden administration is doing its best to try to facilitate critical mineral mining, but it's still very difficult. And again, this balancing act that we talk about seemingly every week of balancing environmental interests with labor interests, with the need for these minerals, it's tricky. And so this is, this is another one that, that really stuck out. The report found that an average of three to five years for most projects to finish environmental reviews for these mining uh, applications. And we know that everything has to get faster for us to achieve our goals. 100%. Okay, Uh, we've got number story number five is by our guest today, Mark Chediak. U.S. Solar's extraordinary boom brings growing pains. John, what do you think of the story? Well, every conversation that I have had at RA Plus this year is about the macroeconomic headwinds that everyone is facing, high interest rates, inflation, all of this is is, uh, building up a ton of pressure, even as we have this 
this tailwind of the Inflation Reduction Act. Right now, um, you know, portfolios and pipelines are getting drawn back. They're, they're wait-and-see moments. And even tax equity investors who are uh, by nature reluctant to take risk, they're risk-averse, most of them, from what I hear, are kind of icing their plans until they see what shakes out. And if this hangs on for two years, maybe more in this high interest rate environment, that's a tough spot to be in if you're a developer or an asset owner. You know, it's interesting. I heard Dan Sugar of Next Tracker, he's a client of ours, talk on Monday at a factory opening. And he was opening a new factory line right here in Nevada. And they're going to go from 100 to 300 workers there. And he said something interesting. For 16 months now, the pundits have all been saying that the economy was going to go into recession. And yet the recession hasn't happened. And I think that if you look around this space, 41,000 of our best friends, there's a sense of momentum. And industries aren't their shows, but the shows are an indicator of an industry. And I think if you look at this, and what Marx reported, it's hard to get away from the sense that this is a real economic force with a momentum of its own. And I, I'm a little bit more optimistic in terms of how much retrenchment is actually going to happen. Great. Cool. And with that, we have Mark Chediak joining us. Mark, welcome. Welcome Thanks to the show. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Our first live guest, <laughs> in-person guest. This is I'm a big sorry, moment. I'm sorry you have to stand next to him and not to me, but we're going to get over that. All right, listen. This is your first time here. What are your impressions? Well, I would say I'm really impressed with the size of this conference. Um, it feels like I'm attending a football game, not a conference in terms of the halls are packed with people. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of interest in the industry. I've covered a lot of energy conferences. It's probably the biggest one I've ever attended. So that's really struck me. What's emerged as, you know, some of those bigger themes from the conversations you're having with, you know, I know you cover the rooftop solar industry with executives on that side, they're consumer facing, they maybe have a better touch point with the general public on kind of how this macroeconomic environment, like I mentioned, is being um, accepted by the general populace. I think for the long term, there's a lot of optimism with the IRA and these other like tailwinds the industry is seeing. But I think in the short term, there's a lot of concern with rising interest rates. As you mentioned, the consumer is really, you know, struggling right now. That's made it hard, especially for the rooftop solar industry, to sell. They saw remarkable growth last year. This year, they're going to see a, a, quite a slowdown, they're telling me, like 9% growth, which is considerably less than what they've seen in the past. They're hopeful that that, you know, that the interest rate environment at least stabilizes and maybe comes down. But I think with the, with the long-term optimism, there's like sort of a short-term concern. I think that's fair. I mean, I think, yes, we have support supply chain challenges. I think there's a lot of concerns about reliance on China for a lot of stuff. And there are concerns about getting the grid to be able to handle an influx of energy that doesn't come consistently. But my sense is, reading your story, looking around here, the fact that you actually came here, I think, Says something. Instead of yeah. just idiots like us, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's from Bloomberg. Yeah, he's, he's a real He's a real reporter. A real oh, reporter. <laughs> take offense to that. I'm a retired real reporter. Go All right. So I want to know, what brought you here? Well, I recently started covering the solar industry. I've been a longtime utility reporter, and we had some changes in our coverage. So I, I picked up solar as a beat. I thought this would be a great 
opportunity to just really get up to speed with all the issues the industry is facing. And I also will be honest with you, solar and clean energy has just become a much bigger part of the power, the power sector and the power industry. So 10 years ago when I started covering this industry, it was kind of seen as sort of a sideshow, and now it's very much a central player. And so I just came here to sort of get a sense of what's going on in the industry and try to pick up on some trends and um, make some good sources and be on your show. Be on our show. That's a reason to come to a conference. You too can come on this week in clean tech if you show up at RE Plus. You're over promising and you're going to under deliver. But with I always that, do. we are running out of time. I yep. want to thank Mark Chediak for coming on the show. Thanks, Brian Mendez, our excellent producer, and Claire Quirin and Alex Peterson for finding our stories. Yeah, and you can nominate those stories at This Week in Clean Tech at tigercom.us. And please remember to leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week. No factor this this week. I'm going to rest. I'm not going to produce that on a red eye tonight. You deserve it. You Thank deserve you. it, my friend. Right. See you next time. Take care. Hey, it's John Ingle, and I'm excited to share that registration is now live for Grid Tech Connect Forum California. Join us in Newport Beach June 24th through the 26th for the interconnection event. We're bringing together utilities, developers, regulators, and advocates to take on one of the biggest challenges facing the energy transition, both at the DG and utility scale levels. Click the link in the episode description and use promo code PODCAST to save 10% on admission. Join our partners from the Department of Energy, NREL, Southern California Edison, PG&E, Kaiso, Sunrun, NG, Convergent, AES, and so many more for this impactful event. We'll see you there.